0: The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional. Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. All right. Welcome. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you had a wonderful Fourth of July holiday, a four-day weekend. It's always tough to come back after those four-day weekends. And as you're about to hear, I tuned out. I got out of the news. I did not pay attention. I didn't watch it. It was wonderful. But then today I had to catch up. So I figured the best person to catch up with would be our old friend Marcy Wheeler. Because she lives in Ireland, when Marcy comes on the show these days, we pre-tape. We tape in the morning here because she's like six, seven hours ahead. So we did that this morning. And of course, the video didn't work. But that's okay because the audio did And that's all that really matters. you ready. Let's go. It's always difficult to come back from a holiday weekend, especially a holiday weekend when you totally unplug from all things news, which is what I did. So I got up early this morning and I've been trying to catch up on what happened. There's some things that happened before the weekend that made me want to unplug Marcy Wheeler, uh, including the end of this term of the Supreme court. I guess we should be celebrating the end of it, but not how they ended it. Um, it was a pretty ugly day on Friday.
1: It was, uh, yeah, there was that brief moment where people were like, oh, they, you know, didn't do the state legislature thing, so maybe they're not as bad as we think, and then, they're, then they reminded us, oh, yeah, we're worse than you think. That's right. Um, yeah, the make-believe um, gay marriage thing to, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so what we've learned is the court took a case from this uh, uh, alleged website designer in Denver. Denver, the same place that had the baker who wouldn't bake the cake for the gay couple, now brings this case with a woman who's said that, you know, she was asked about making a, a, a wedding site for a gay couple, Well it turns out the guy whose name she uh, used said, not me, I, in fact... I was married to a woman at the time. I never asked for such a thing. And we find out that this is, um, I think the technical term for it is bullshit. It's bullshit. It wasn't a real case. It it was a made up thing. And when, when cases are decided that you're thrown out by the court for lack of standing, you wonder how this one got through.
1: Yeah. And, um, as I understand it, that this is not my, my expertise, but like, you know, it's, it's different on an expressive issue than it is on say, you know, somebody having their home taken away. Um, but, it, but it is another case where the Supreme court basically is, is ruling based on make-believe facts. Um, and so I, you know, I sort of hope that the, cause the guy who, she used is actually a, a, a website designer himself. And so it's like, I hope he, I, I hope he sues for um, identity theft because she clearly claimed to have had a comment from him uh, asking for a website, a wedding site. And wow. it just is, it's make-believe. I mean, um, it's just, it's just the the important thing about the Supreme court is they don't care about precedent anymore. They don't care about facts. They don't, you know, they're just these aggrieved conservatives, like radical conservatives who have decided that the six of them are going to remake American society because because they feel like they know better and they don't really care about law and precedent anymore.
0: That's right. So they also um, uh, so they struck down affirmative action for college admissions. One has to wonder what you know, what's next there on this, uh, this discrimination, allowing a company to discriminate against a group of people simply because they don't like how they think. Um, did you see who was it? It was, um, God, an artist. Now I can't remember who it was who basically said, all right, well, gays, uh, I'm sorry. Um, Uh, now (laughs) I'm trying a blank now, but basically saying bigots and Trumpers need not come to my shows because you're not welcome here anymore. Isn't that the next step?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be. So let me add something. There was also another terrible court ruling that was released yesterday. Um, There's this lawsuit that. The now the senator, but the then attorney general from Missouri and the attorney general from Louisiana have they've sued the Biden administration, claiming that um, Biden saying, hey, please don't, um," you know, saying to social media companies, please don't host blatantly false information on covid. Yep. The that judge has enjoined the federal government from speaking to social media companies, except uh, around very limited issues. And that's another case where it's I mean, it's it's one of these like, you know, 10 or so judges that far right wingers bring cases to because they know they're batshit insane. And the ruling basically said, here are all the standards and this doesn't uh, reach that standard. But I'm going to judge that um, that. The poor people of Missouri and Louisiana aren't aren't having full access to the federal government because they're not being allowed to lie on social media about things that matter to humanity. You know, like this is a gate. this was basically almost. Enforce protection for Gateway Pundit, which is one of the worst propagandists out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's he's one of the named plaintiffs, Jim Hoft, and and he's just batshit insane and he doesn't care about facts. And, you know, and um, and this ruling accompanies an effort to um, that Jim Jordan is doing to make it harder for private entities like Stanford has a has an election entity to say, look, you know, all of the people, all the you know, all the 20 most active people spreading disinformation about elections are Trump and people close to Trump and and QAnon. And and, you know, because all of the people who make shit up are are the far right. Mm -hmm. They're saying we're being discriminated against. And it's like, well, no, it's just that you make shit up. (laughs) Um, And so there really is this concerted effort to make the world uh, not just safe, but to protect disinformation, to protect lies, to force American people to suck down entire fire hoses of lies from people like Gateway Pundit. And so that ruling is... At least as important as the Supreme Court ones, because, you know, you're going to find a way around the around the um, affirmative action. Mm -hmm. You know, like Harvard's already said, here's how we're going to um, admit people, you know, like if they if they speak about the way race has influenced them personally, then we can still admit them. Um, and there are lawsuits now against um, legacy admissions right. in at Harvard. So great, Good. because once yep. once it's harder for Donald Trump and Joe Biden's and Sam Alito's and everyone else's kids to get into Harvard and Yale, because uh, because that's discrimination as well, then that then, you know, that's important as well. But it's this notion that the federal government can't even speak to social media
0: companies is just really insane. Right. And, and this is totally discounting the fact that investigations have turned up that despite what they're telling us, Trump tried to influence uh, what what appeared on Twitter and what was taken down from Twitter more than than Biden or the Democrats ever did but it doesn't matter to them because all they're they care about is uh these right wing efforts at disinformation are being um silenced well no more.
1: Yeah and you know I have to say um unfortunately there's not enough reporting on all this. I mean I had reported some on this Missouri v Biden case. Um it's just voluminous and like I have a post that's half written where I want to go back and talk about you know the affirmative effort by Elon Musk to, to make social media more welcoming of fascism, you know, like yes. there is this project, the people who are doing this, it's a very small group of people, but they have a very concerted plan to um, bring back the status quo from 2016, where a bunch of space fashion. I mean, some of them are like, you know, self admitted neo-Nazis could, you know, spread so much disinformation to um, to make it impossible to have a rational conversation in advance of an election. That is the goal. And, you know, not enough people, including myself, are covering it because I'm covering 700 other things.
0: Right. Well, that's the thing. And knowing that we were going to talk today, Marcy Wheeler, I'm like, where do we even begin? It's not like there was another Trump indictment that we need to go through. But, but there's a long list of shit. So, There's the Supreme Court. Right. I have that. We're not even done. In fact, after they they finished up the term on Friday, they also issued some orders, one of them being that they won't hear a case dealing with qualified immunity if ever something needs to be heard, it is a case on qualified immunity. Um, they struck down Joe Biden's college loan debt relief plan. We already talked about them allowing discrimination, affirmative action, all that stuff. But the fact yeah, that- the,
1: um, Let me say on the, the debt relief plan, it's important for people to understand, they struck down um, uh, loan relief, right? Mm-hmm. But they also limited the president's emergency powers. Um, which was how he was doing that and how he should have been able to do that. And, you know, and again, it's sort of like this. Well, we don't like what a Democratic president might do with emergency power. So we're just going to arbitrarily say, well, this doesn't work. Um, and the funny thing in the wake of that was the White House, with very good messaging, I think, started calling out all of the members of Congress who got PPP loans forgiven, um, including Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yep. Uh, Whereas their constituents, and and I really hope that that becomes a concerted effort because it's like, you know, 19,000 or something of Marjorie Taylor Greene's constituents could have gotten student debt relief uh, and she got her whatever, $183,000 loan. You know, I think that this is another thing that if the left or if centrists, if sane people really focus on it, then it could have a... It could have in the same way that Dobbs did, you know, like the, Dobbs was not a popular decision. Dobbs ruined the lives of many young women, mm-hmm. many childbearing age women. And um, it's, uh, you know, I, I think that these decisions are beginning to have a really tangible effect on people's lives. And I think that, you know, if we succeed in explaining that to people, um, that may make a difference in places where we don't yet imagine. But I mean, again, like abortion did.
0: You yes. Kansas, but you know what? Right? With this, the the, the the PPP loans that were forgiven for so many members of Congress and for giant corporations who didn't need the help in the first place, who basically scammed the system. I hope this gets more scrutiny because I don't know if you remember, but there was another um, avenue for for small business owners to get some relief during the pandemic. And in fact, I took out a loan under that program as the EIDL. Uh, right. Program under under the SBA, and those although the interest rates are low, I took out an eleven thousand dollar loan that now I have to repay, and you know this is me one person business trying to, you know, to to make my way through this craziness. And my $11,000 measly loan isn't forgiven, but Marjorie Taylor Greene gets her what almost million dollar loan forgiven. All these crooks, these scammers got millions of dollars in loans forgiven. But me, the person who played by the rules, I've got to pay back this $11,000. There's something just really wrong.
1: Right. Yep. I think I think there needs to be some discussion of that. Yeah,
0: please. And uh, I'm happy to uh, provide quotes. My daughter, who was at the time was um, an independent contractor, she does body piercing. She also took a loan, a larger one that I was able to get because she was making more money than I was. And now she's stuck with paying this back. When, you know, it's one thing, yeah, you take out a loan, you pay it back. But if they're forgiving all these huge corporations that shouldn't have been given PPP loans in the first place, all the people who scam the system. I know someone who is a a businesswoman, um, used to be a dear friend of mine, her boyfriend, her new boyfriend from Italy, came over and also got a PPP loan that I'm sure has been forgiven. He wasn't even eligible for it. And so instead of cracking down on the scammers and the people who took advantage of it, the people like me and my daughter are being penalized. So it's just pisses me off. One. okay, so there's all that stuff, the court stuff. You mentioned this Republican lawsuit that accused the Biden administration of putting too much pressure on tech companies to suppress unfavorable viewpoints. That got this uh, nonsensical ruling in where the federal government can't communicate with social media companies. Could is this going to be appealed and overturned?
1: Um the fifth circuit which is a very conservative circuit has been skeptical of some of the some of the things that have come out of this case already um it just my my hope is that there is a lot more attention i mean it's a 155 page ruling and um you know everyone who looks at it is like this is crazy but it but it didn't get enough attention in advance and there hasn't been a tactical effort to kind of you know, as you said, to make it visible that Trump was the one who did more of this than Biden, or to push back. I mean, you know, it's like there hasn't even been a really substantive issue to way to push back on on Maddie Dickpix's claims, which were all false, right? Right. I mean, he just made stuff up. And aside from Mehdi Hassan, who did a great job at, at calling him out on making stuff up, you yes, know, like, there still is this belief that Maddie Dickpicks was telling the truth and he wasn't. I mean, he just like he was just making shit up, and um, and there's, you know, I, I'm just I'm really frustrated with the fact that uh, there, you know, people, you know, of, of course, I spent I spent all this time doing the Durham report. And it's yep. like he was he was fabricating stuff, fabricating stuff. He was doing exactly what he was complaining that the FBI did, but worse. And yet, you know, there isn't this broad understanding of that. People still think that he said something meaningful. And it's like, No. No, are you kidding? Like he just made stuff up.
0: I know it. And it and it and it just and then it just sits there. It's frustrating. It's got to be yeah. frustrating as hell for you because you're doing the work and it sits there. You know, and so
1: my new thing I'm sitting there is the Hunter Biden whistleblowers, so-called whistleblowers. <laughs> yes. That's what I've been spending okay. my weekend doing. Let's go guys-
0: there. This is also on my list. I've got a whole <laughs> list of things to talk with you about. So Hunter Biden is back. Not that he ever went away. Um. Off, off topic, sort of. Could he have left the cocaine in the West Wing? <laughs> no, I don't think he was there. So, uh. um,
1: plus, I think he's, you know, like I think he—he's genuinely sober. Right? Oh, like cool. that gets forgotten uh-huh. is that he is the right wing's punching bag during a time when he's struggling really hard to to stay sober, and it's just, it's just so disgusting that. Um, You know, I did a post. I'm now deep in this so-called whistleblower thing. But like it's like, you know, there is nothing that Hunter Biden has that Paul Manafort doesn't have an order of magnitude worse, literally. Right. And yet, you know, the right wing doesn't care about the pardon, doesn't care about um, him sharing campaign strategy with a Russian spy, doesn't care about, uh you know, the fact that he lied to cover up what he was doing with Konstantin Kalimnik. Like, they don't care about any of that. It's like if you actually cared about tax cheats, you would be very concerned that Donald Trump pardoned Paul Manafort and everything else associated with Paul Manafort. And you don't care. All you care about is manufacturing some kind of scandal against Joe Biden and You know, it's like I don't expect good faith from Republicans, Mm -hmm. but like the reporters who don't every single time they get a press release from Jim Jordan or James Comer or now the other one, Smith, um, Jason Smith. Right. Like if you get a press release for them. First thing you got to do is remind yourself these people are just manufacturing a scandal. That's right. Let's see whether there's anything real here, because all they're doing is manufacturing a scandal. I'm going to have a post up later, um, maybe by the time this goes on the air, but I'm going to have a post up later showing that uh, Republicans did find a Republican uh, did find a president interfering inappropriately with an congressional investigation was actually Donald Trump. Um, But no one's reporting on that. No one's reporting on the fact like the way in which the Republicans did Gary Shapley, who's one of the two so-called whistleblowers. Um, has done the whole Fox News thing. And it's like, you know, there was a leak to Devlin Barrett, as there always is every election year, October, the Devlin Barrett special. And Devlin Barrett is always very credulous of whatever some right winger wants to tell him. And so um, there was a leak to Barrett. Uh October 6th of 2022. And in the wake of that, there was clearly a leak investigation. And, um, and after, and, and Gary, Gar- uh, Gary Shapley, the, you know, the, the main so-called whistler, the one on Fox News seems to be a real suspect for being the leaker. That's a crime. Sorry. Uh-huh. That's a crime. And if you're the leaker, you're a criminal. And, um, You know, and he like he sent this email that he pretended was like a protected disclosure. He pretended was was showing some kind of uh, misconduct on the part of DOJ. And basically what it showed him doing was contacting this FBI agent who was involved in the review of his email saying, if you find anything really suspicious Please give me a heads up. You know, like I'm like, that's what you wouldn't give Hunter Biden. Right. Like, that is right. your complaint. That Hunter right. Biden was not surprised by more investigative steps. And yet you're asking for special treatment that you would not give Hunter Biden um, anyway. It's just a scandal because it's not there's nothing there's like his complaints date to 2020 to to Bill Barr. Bill Barr consolidated this. Bill Barr is still weighing in. This is the same old politicization under Bill Barr and Republicans want to flip it. And they want to say because because a because a Trump appointed U.S. attorney didn't prosecute Hunter Biden
0: for enough, they're going to impeach Merrick Garland. (laughs) Right. Makes so much sense, don't you know? Um, But okay, let's back up a bit on this Hunter Biden thing because I still don't see the there there. So... Um, We knew that Hunter Biden was one of Joe Biden's sons. This is not not Bo, who was the hero. This was the fuck up. This was the guy who had drug problems, who had all kinds and and has worked hard to overcome it. And much to his credit, Joe Biden has remained a supportive father. I mean, at one point, the Fox or whoever released an audio tape of a voicemail message that Joe left for Hunter basically saying, I love you. You're my son. I love you. You know, you'll get through this kind of thing. As if that was a bad thing. Uh, It showed him as being a supportive father. So we know uh, Hunter was the fuck up, probably used his dad's name to get entree into places where he shouldn't have been, whatever. But Hunter Biden never worked on Joe Biden's campaign, never worked in his White House, never had an official role. He was his son. You know, you remember back in the whenever uh, they went after um, uh, 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 Billy um, Clinton for the yeah. beer guy, you know, Billy beer, whatever, you know, because there's nothing of substance there. So now there are allegedly two whistleblowers on Hunter Biden. One of them disappeared
1: no no no, no. Oh, so okay. uh there are two irs investigators who um because there is a leak investigation and because the trump appointed us attorney has cut off not just them but he appears to have cut off the fbi and appears to have replaced the ausa's in the case so in other words like there is an investigation into misconduct in this case and i'm going to cut all of Everybody off the IRS, the FBI, the AUSAs, the people who uh, whose names are on the docket for the plea deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they're new names. They're not names that were mentioned by by the um, by the so-called whistleblowers. But um, so basically there's this guy, Gary Shapley, and he was the manager and he um, he was asked for his emails last March in the wake of a New York Times story and said, well, I'm a manager. I don't have to turn over my emails. I'll turn over my other reports, but I won't turn over my emails. And then uh, on the day after the leak to the Washington Post, there was a very contentious meeting. He says that uh, David Weiss, the, US, the Trump appointed U.S. attorney in charge of this investigation. He said that that U.S. attorney said, well, I'm not the decider on this. Um David Weiss has debunked that, Matthew Graves has debunked that, the US attorney from DC, uh, Merrick Garland, everyone else is saying, no, that's not true. And of course, Gary Shapley wouldn't know firsthand. The other whistleblower who I call whistleblower X only knows what he knows about this from Shapley. So it's oh, Shapley's word. against Secondhand. Attorney- okay. Yeah, right. Uh, that the Whistleblower X is a huge fan of hearsay. Let me tell you, of hearsay and rumors and like much of his testimony was like, well, I heard this rumor about X, Y, and Z. And it's like, you know, that doesn't really be- speak well of you as investigator because, um, you know, like you're like, you know. The- none of that is post- admissible, right? Not, none right? of that. And, and he also has a habit of like, anytime he sees uh, Hunter sleeping with anybody it's you know like he turns that woman into a prostitute so um it's it's just the thing that, that like i think that whistleblower x is somebody who is way too deep into this and who's who is getting what he understands from shapley and who also um doesn't understand Due process, doesn't understand how the FBI works, doesn't like, you know, that one of the one of the staffers was like, Do you understand that the FBI is under really strict guidelines about politically charged investigations? And he's like, No, I've never heard of that. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but that I mean, literally the complaint of these two whistleblowers is that they were not allowed to do things with Hunter Biden that the FBI never even tried to do with Carter Page. So wow. their their complaint is Why weren't we allowed to be even more intrusive into into an election than the FBI has been punished for years over because they tried to do with Carter Page, who, by the way, isn't even the son wasn't even on the campaign, wasn't the son of Donald Trump, you know. So it's it's really like and that's again, the press is not reporting that they're going, oh, you know, scandal, scandal, scandal. I'm like, no, let's take a step back. First of all, Shapley's complaints are mostly date to 2020 when, you know, when Bill Barr was in charge. Second of all, he has been disputed by all the people who actually know firsthand. Third of all, He's the leak suspect, right? (laughs) Like, so he is doing this wild. I'm not saying he is the leaker, but he's clearly somebody who is under suspicion for being the leaker um, and who was in the right place at the right time to be the leaker. uh, And who, as I said, wrote an email basically asking for special treatment, the kind of treatment that he's complaining he wasn't able to deny to Hunter Biden.
0: Right. Um, OK. And,
1: you know, it's just it's like no one like I spent I spent the time you guys were all out watching fireworks, reading these <laughs> things. And um, and and, you know, they these, quote unquote, whistleblowers, you know, contradict themselves. They hearsay, turn women into prostitutes. Uh, it's it's just shoddy stuff.
0: Right. aren't they going down another another back alley, basically saying Hunter Biden has an illegitimate child with one of these women and the White House won't acknowledge the child? Yeah.
1: And that's the woman that whistleblower X called a prostitute. It's like you got a problem. You 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 know, you have a like if she was a prostitute, then probably it's not, you know, like what? i don't think she's a prostitute apparently her dad hunts with don jr oh god so you know maybe dad who hunts with don jr should have a word with the irs whistleblower who's calling his daughter a prostitute but uh you know like it's sort of crazy because they're like oh hunter biden was paying her health insurance and it's like well uh, yeah, she was mothering his,
0: his child.
1: Son, so like, w- which <laughs> is it? Like, we're complaining that he is providing child support, but also you're complaining. It's just a, I mean, it's, as you said, it's like that that recording of Joe Biden saying, Hunter, we've got to deal with this. I love you. I will support you. Right. You've got to deal with this. Is this wonderful, loving recording and the Republicans want to turn it into a scandal because that's all they have. And again, you know, Paul Manafort remains more scandalous than Hunter Biden. Everything that Jared and Ivanka did, who that's right, that's what they worked in the White House. Yes, like, if they you care did. Influence peddling. Jared Kushner needs to be number one on your list. And Republicans obviously don't care about influence peddling because Jared is not number one on their list.
0: No. And the other thing that they will not uh, uh, reiterate is that this investigation into Hunter Biden was opened during the Trump administration by a Trump prosecutor The Biden administration came in and said, hands off, this continues as it did. We have nothing to do with it. And they let it play out. But that's not good enough for them because they didn't go after him enough. What? What?
1: Yeah, well, so, you know, the the whistleblowers are claiming that um, uh, Biden appointed U.S. attorneys had veto power over the investigation. But one of the things, again, I'm writing on this right now, but one of the things that whistleblower X revealed is that he was told that. Uh, other as soon as other U.S. attorneys looked at it, they're like, oh, we found some stuff in emails that make us concerned about charging this at all. And Whistleblower X tells you what that is. And Whistleblower X tells you that his supervisor for the first maybe 14 months of this investigation was saying this investigation shouldn't have been opened. Like he it's quite clear. He's like, well, I found Hunter Biden's name on a sex worker site. And so I went and got his divorce records and then looked at Burisma uh, and also said, There is command influence like you have a problem because the president of the United States is demanding this investigation and we can't conduct it independently. And so my guess is that's one of the things that they found in the emails, which which says that the beginning predication of the entire investigation Bill Barr was involved like the whistleblower was like oh Bill Barr was the one who consolidated everything Bill Barr Bill Barr Bill Barr and then he went away and came back and he's
0: like oh I actually don't know whether Bill Barr was involved <laughs> and
1: it's like you know what Bill Barr was involved in
0: everything and Trump, he know, was Trump's attorney General hello yeah. so you know they wanted both so, ways right
1: so my guess is that there and I'm and I again I'm writing this up now um there are some very serious hints of misconduct uh, in the investigation, the kinds of things, again, what we know, and this is just what we know publicly, the kinds of things that were done with Hunter Biden are worse than what was done with Carter Page. And if you are bothered by the Carter Page treatment, um, Mm -hmm. in truth, Republicans aren't bothered by the Carter Page treatment. He's just an excuse to complain about Donald Trump. But if you're bothered by the Carter Page treatment, then you need to be bothered by the fact that the president of the United States said, you know, the son of my opponent, we are going to spend, you know, we are going to spend the last three years of my or two and a half years of my administration investigating my opponent's son for nothing. We're going to go look up his divorce records until we find some basis to open this investigation into him. Is there evidence of tax
0: misconduct there? Yeah, there is. But Uh, didn't he pay his taxes ultimately? So they're going after him because they didn't penalize him enough.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, like they, I mean, look, they think that there should have been a felony, um, Let's take a step back. Their complaint now is that there's not a felony tax conviction, but if you take a step back, remember this entire thing was started out off of a FARA complaint, off of foreign influence peddling and that apparently is either gone or was was you know again part of misconduct or part of Russia's efforts to frame uh frame Hunter Biden. And so um I I just I I just wish the press were less lazy on this story, among others. I mean, it's so easy for them to say, oh, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. And it makes them feel it gives them the false impression to themselves in their own little minds that they're being fair because they you know, they've got real misconduct with Donald Trump, like storing the nuclear codes <laughs> in the gaudy bathroom yeah. in Florida, mm-hmm. Um and then we've got a tax crime with Hunter Biden after five years of investigation. And yes, he was an addict. Right. And so, yes, he bought a gun that he should he owned for, I think, uh, 11 days. And that is the that's the felony is that he owned a gun oh, for 11 please. days. These are Republicans. This is their big scandal. And so, um you know, I, it just it just. It really disgusts me that that reporters are being so lazy and so credulous uh, about claims coming from James Comer. Right. How now? little self-respect do you have to have to treat James Comer as credible? Well, or and Jordan. going to that, please, but- I beg of you, do not demean yourself by treating James Comer credibly. Do not.
0: Right. Now, when I asked about the whistleblower that that is missing, that's a different case. That was that's the a different. Case OK, but that. but James Comer has these alleged whistleblowers who now they can't find.
1: Yeah, so that's ultimately a, a Ukraine dirt again. They're recycling the dirt that Rudy Giuliani. And again, this is Bill Barr. So Bill Barr found a way for Rudy Giuliani to legally share stuff that, that Bill Barr knew came from a Russian spy mm-hmm. uh, with a one of the most politicized U.S. attorneys under Trump, uh, the, the the U.S. attorney for Western Pennsylvania. And then it went from there to Delaware. I mean, it was this it was this real like he was literally using five different U.S. attorneys to do this, Bill Barr. It right. was crazy. And again, why aren't we talking about that? Why are we? So anyway, so um, this uh, this actual informant from the FBI shared a rumor that was going around Ukraine. It's it's honestly I'm very critical of the Steele dossier. It's no different from the Steele dossier. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing as the Steele dossier, including that it was likely Russian disinformation. Um, But Republicans now are are grasping onto it because, you know, maybe Joe Biden got a bribe, even though this, again, has been investigated for, you know, five years and there's no There's no evidence of it. Um, Jamie Raskin pointed out that they have counter evidence from the impeachment. Uh, There's other counter evidence, you know, like uh, there's no evidence for this. But because reporters are so uh, credulous that they'll treat James Comer as as if he has any credibility whatsoever, because they're so desperate for an easy story. Yes. um, This has gotten air when it just is it doesn't hold up it just doesn't it just isn't worth their time and it's just disgusting and i'm just i have nothing but contempt for people who chase this story without more
0: substance to it right but it seems like you know the media is bound and determined to make it a you know a both sides story um but just the way they word things um um, it, we'll, we'll get back to that if, if time permits. But I want to ask you about another story that surfaced over the holiday weekend that have not seen you write about at EmptyWheel.net. Um, but when I heard it, my I had to pick my jaw up off the floor. Joe Biden nominated Elliot Abrams to serve on a bipartisan commission on diplomacy.
1: Yeah, that's insane. I'm hoping that that was a Mitch McConnell choice uh, because... It is like Mitch McConnell gets to make recommendations. And so I hope that Mitch McConnell recommended it just to cause trouble. But Elliot Abrams is a war criminal and a crook and pardoned. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's appalling. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. It'd be nice to defeat him in the Senate because, you know. (sighs) My God, the man is crazy. Yes, uh, but I, you know, he's the kind of person that that I could see Joe Manchin voting for. So unfortunately, <sighs> they might, you know,
0: it's astounding. This is a man who was, um, uh, you know, under Iran, Iran Contra. Yeah, Iran Contra. He was, he was guilty. He's a war criminal, and. It, 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 who, no matter who the suggestion came from, the fact that the Biden administration has nominated him for this bipartisan commission on diplomacy is astounding.
1: Yeah, I, it's really appalling. I
0: agree. It, I agree. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that 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 was the thing. All right. There was something else that that came out since the last time we spoke. And um, it's our pals at The Washington Post. And they did a full on investigation of the Department of Justice's investigation into january 6th you and i have talked about this a lot you've been very generous towards merrick garland and the justice department saying it goes through the process it takes time well they're alleging that um more than a year elapsed before the feds actively began probing trump's attempt to overturn the election and and basically that's
1: not what they're alleging okay they're alleging that before merrick garland was confirmed several key strands of the investigation were shot down. So uh, and they're also alleging that the former FBI assistant director for the Washington Field Office, a guy by the name of Stephen D'Antuono, uh, kept shooting down investigations. And so the question that people should ask and they they don't know. Sir, I mean, it was Carol Leone. She's a beautiful journalist. She I is. just I think usually her like sources, her. I mean, her sources are like she's like, well, I've sourced this from legislative records. I'm like, you know, that the legislature is not the ones that, you know, like obviously some of her sources are January six people, people from the January six committee. And I'm like, you know, maybe you should write a story about how the January six committee did six months of delays, is personally responsible for six months of delay in the investigation um, because they are upset. And, oh, wait and, wait a minute.
0: Was that when we were told that the January 6th commission asked justice to back off until they completed their investigation? That was a no, thing well, they, at the time. They wasn't So
1: they more importantly, they withheld transcripts. Ah, so that's right. I remember that they did affirmative. Like there were two instances during the Proud Boys case where they caused I mean, that's a, that was a difficult prosecution. And because the January 6th committee was pissy, um, they did damage to thus far the far and away most important prosecution that that has come out of January 6th. They did just because they were pissy, right? The other thing that they did is they withheld other transcripts of people like um, uh, John Johnny McEntee, for example. Johnny McEntee was was Trump's enforcer at the end of the administration. And Johnny McEntee said things in his testimony to the January 6th committee that could be deemed exculpatory for Trump. And so the so Um, Really, the January 6th committee could have released transcripts in July of 2022, and they withheld them until December of 2022. And and that meant that prosecutors, real prosecutors, people could prosecute Donald Trump, didn't have tools in hand until... Six months after they could have. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they didn't have tools to flip people until six months after they could have. They didn't have they didn't learn about exculpatory evidence. It was, you know, quasi exculpatory evidence in Fannie Willis's investigation in Georgia. It is likely that by withholding their transcripts until the month after Fannie Willis's investigative grand jury expired, um, they the the. Um, Christina Bob's transcript revealed that she was on that call to Brad Raffensperger. And so all of a sudden, uh, Fonnie Willis's grand jury has expired. And now she has a key detail, again, exculpatory evidence that she has to deal with before she charges Donald Trump that she doesn't have an investigative grand jury. And so that's, you know, in both actual criminal investigations, the January 6th committee did real damage by withholding those transcripts. And they did it because they knew better than DOJ about whether or not um whether or not Mark Meadows and Dan Scavino could have been charged with contempt. And the record shows now that uh, DOJ was, if anything, overly optimistic about prosecuting contempt because it's, you know, a year and a half after the referral to on on Bannon and Bannon is still working his way through appeals like Bannon has been has been um, sentenced to four months. And it you know, it could be 2025 mm-hmm. before he actually serves that sentence. And then Peter Navarro hasn't gone to trial yet. And so it's like the the reason they were angry, the entire reason they were angry uh, has been since proven wrong. Like DOJ was right. January 6th committee wrong. um, And and yet no one is holding except for me, holding them accountable for actual damage they did to the Proud Boys prosecution, actual delays they caused in Jack Smith's investigation and actual real difficulty that they've given Fannie Willis by withholding information that she has to account for before she charges Trump and and possibly even delayed that. I mean, it may be I don't think that that is the full extent of the delay until, you know, we expect indictments of some sort uh, now next month because it's July now. Right. Um, But but, you know, they did cause her a headache that was unnecessary.
0: So. So, yeah, that's interesting. So I hadn't made the connection with the January 6th committee, which do we know why they were, and I wondered at the time as well, why were they denying um, the uh, Justice Department access to the the transcripts of the interviews that they had done? Did they ever well, give think, a reason? One,
1: because they were pissy. I mean, again, Just one, it? because they were oh. pissy because DOJ did not uh, did not charge Mark Meadows and Dan Scavino with contempt. Two, because they had the mistaken belief that, um, look, I mean, you know, like. Um, Adam Schiff kept going on TV and saying, well, it's never the case where, where congressional investigations get ahead of, of DOJ. And I'm like, that's funny, because Hipsy did in the Russian investigation, and so did Sissy. And in fact, Sissy provided, because they made referrals in real time to Robert Mueller, they provided tools that Mueller could use. And with the exception of um, of Cassidy Hutchinson, who may have gone to DOJ of her own accord, uh, the January 6th committee didn't do that. So they were basically withholding tools that prosecutors could have used because they were being pissy. And then the one other thing that I suspect, and this is just I mean, the rest is true, I know. But the other thing that I suspect is that um, the January 6th committee, you know, they, they've they been criticized, I think, rightly for like pulling their punches from the FBI, pulling their punches from Bill Barr, pulling their punches from some of their witnesses so that they could tell a story about Donald Trump that they wanted to tell and so forth. For example, two of their heroes, Eric Hirschman, remember, he always got he he always showed up. He has a bigger potty mouth than I do. Right. And, he, you know, they like he showed he was one of the lawyers who purportedly was pushing back against the crazies. And he made great TV coverage. He made great TV coverage for their hearings. But if you look at his transcript. uh It's it's far more complex than that. If you look Hmm. at his pushing back on Cassidy Hutchinson, he was clearly trying to exonerate himself. Same thing with Alex Cannon, everybody's hero about January 6th. And it's like, well, you know, the the actual story is a little bit more complex than that. And so I, I whether it was the reason that they did it or not by withholding those transcripts they were able to make their own story much easier to tell much less complex to tell and and withholding the complexities of the story from DOJ until literally 6 months after they were done the the main you know they were done with almost all of their hearings they were done with the main thre- thrust of their investigation and so you know i i think that I say with confidence that they did affirmative damage to the to the Proud Boys prosecution, which was hard enough without them. And they didn't do things. You know, they caused delay in the January 6th and the actual prosecution that was unnecessary. And and I think they should be held accountable. I mean, going way back to The Washington Post story, The Washington Post story, yeah, said that um, that. The FBI investigation into the fake electors was not open until, uh, April of 2022. Um, and, and I have no reason to doubt that's when the investigate, that's when the actual predicate, the opening of the investigation happened. Um, but there are many things about the investigation that Washington Post was completely oblivious to. You know, like I still keep having fight with people, uh, and I, I tell them factually that On Lisa Monaco's first day in office, DOJ approved a warrant for Rudy Giuliani's phone and started a nine-month... I mean, literally her first day in office. And they started a nine-month process of getting a privilege review of everything that Post dated January 1st, 2018 on those phones. I don't know when the January 6th investigators got a warrant for his phone, but I can tell you that because of steps DOJ took, which, you know, again, Washington Post isn't aware of, like, they... They got an DOJ got an approval from a judge in September of 2021 to do this, to do a privilege review of everything on Rudy's phone. Rudy has subsequently said all of my January 6th content on those phones. Mm -hmm. So, you know, DOJ was doing things in places where Carol Leonig was not looking that they haven't gotten credit for. You know, so like everyone has stories in the last week, oh, Rudy Giuliani is either going to flip or he's going to be charged. And it's like, guess what? All of the people that you're talking about had their phone seized, including Rudy Giuliani. But you keep telling me that Rudy Giuliani didn't have his phone seized because you didn't read the court filings closely enough to, to understand they did something very clever with that. And they did, you know, they, you know, whether or not they had a warrant for Rudy Giuliani's for January 6th, by September of 2021, when they got the judge to approve this, I promise you they got a warrant for his phone sometime else. And that meant they could just walk in and get everything pre, you know, it was already privilege review, you know, nine months that they saved off the investigation that DOJ is not getting credit for. Um, And meanwhile, January 6th committee is like not being held accountable for the delays
0: that they caused. When you say January 6th committee, um, does that fall on Benny Thompson or is the committee as a whole?
1: Um, it falls on the committee as as a whole. I mean, I think Adam Schiff had a key role in it. I think that, um, um, Hefe, Tim Hefe, who was, uh, Liz Cheney's pop advisor, Mm -hmm. um, he shared information with DOJ and I think the feedback from him sharing information is, is the other place where they got all, you know, upset about the status of the investigation, but it's, but, you know, uh, but they, they. Like, literally, these people don't know basic things about the don't know things about the crime scene investigation. Don't think, you know, and, and, you know, I think it is absolutely the case that this guy, Steve D'Antuono, this FBI guy, um, really needs to be held accountable for things he did, including which was not mentioned in The Washington Post story, including not. Preventing January six, right? Mm-hmm. So we had a report from Gary Peters's committee uh, showing that Steve Dantuono and one of his top deputies were basically they they just his top deputy described like guiding the elephant, guiding the federal response to January six by by controlling what it sees. So in other words, they were trying to tamp down concerns about January 6th by controlling all of the threats that FBI was getting. And, you know, I read that and I was like, wow, this is like these are this is really scandalous stuff. Um, and that didn't make The Washington Post story. Like huh. once Steve D'Antuono allows January 6th to happen, what is Steve D'Antuono going to do with the aftermath? He's going to try and make it about mobs that you couldn't foresee rather than make it about. And he has protected Trump over and over and over again. He also he also tried to s- succeed in stalling the um, document investigation. So, mm. you know, it is like that was an important part of The Washington Post story. They found a couple of other instances where he was stalling investigations. Um I suspect he did an interview with Jim Jordan, so I suspect we're going to get his transcript and and uh, see that he was not asked questions he should have been asked by people like Adam Schiff about the Proud Boy investigation. Um, but we're also going to learn that that Steve D'Antuono, like the guy who is in charge of the FBI office in D.C., was um, basically protecting Donald Trump for the
0: entire two years he was in charge of that office. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of a, a lot of nuance in this. This story, and it sounds like they they omitted some stuff and they elevated some other things. But you, Marcy, will are still um, hold to your contention that justice is doing a, a, a decent job and they're bringing the case as it needs to be brought. Or, or have you changed that at all?
1: No, I haven't changed that. I mean, I, I have concerns like I have concerns with the woman who was put in charge of the complex conspiracies. I, I have from the start. I still have. Um, she played a problematic role in the Mike Flynn prosecution. Uh, I have concerns like I and everyone else who looked closely. There was a treatment of one guy who was at the crowd, the crime scene, who was also had ties to the Willard, a guy by the name of Brandon Straka. Um, and I think that his investigation was blown from the start by, Hmm. guess who, by FBI agents who were overly credulous. So, you know, there are definitely moments where I have concerns about where I suspect they are right now is pulling together a lot of complexity and pulling together, um, if you're Jack Smith, you have charging decisions for both the stolen documents case and January 6th. Right. On the stolen documents case, certainly you would prefer, as DOJ always does on leak cases, on, on Espionage Act cases, you would prefer somebody, in this case, Donald Trump, which makes it sound insane, but you would prefer the defendant to plead guilty. Mm-hmm. You would prefer to find a plea agreement. And I suspect that is one of the things that's going on with what Jack Smith is looking at. There are, we know that Donald Trump's pack is under investigation for raising money for one thing and do, using it for another. We also know that Trump's pack has ties to this stolen documents case in a way that we haven't seen from the existing indictment. Um, if, if there is a superseding indictment, I would be unsurprised to see it tied to him exploiting stolen documents for his super PAC. Mm -hmm. Um, and if that's the case, then it actually ties right together like the January 6th and the stolen documents have become, have be you know, intersected, um, And, you know, by all reports, Jack Smith is getting close to charging the people who were involved in the fake elector plot. It's not clear that that can be pinned on Trump Mm -hmm. without getting either Mark Meadows or Rudy Giuliani to flip. And, you know, I think that this is this is where you're playing check. Chess and this is where you're trying to manage a bunch of moving parts, and again, like Sidney Powell's back in the news, right? Sidney Powell is one of these prosec- one of these lawyers who may be charged in this next bout. Well. You know, Sidney Powell was overtly investigated. That investigation into Sidney Sidney Powell started in September, before September of 2021. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. DOJ doesn't get credit for that. So, you know, what we're seeing is stuff that happened in 2021. Rudy Giuliani's phone, Sidney Powell um, is part of what Jack Smith has in his hands. And it's a very complex decision. Uh, but, you know, all these people are like, well, DOJ didn't do anything for a year. I'm like, well, those, you know, I, I call me crazy, but I think Rudy Giuliani is sort of an important player in this in Yeah, this
0: Right. Well, and it seems like something is about to go with either Rudy or... Or um, uh, uh, what's his name? Sidney Powell. Uh, Sydney Powell. Oh, um, and right, Eastman. Right, yeah, right. All of them. Like the, yeah. the, we're waiting. And and Revel. And with the pack also being at Bedminster, somebody from that pack when uh, Donald Trump was disseminating classified information, which also hasn't yet been charged.
1: Susie Wiles Susie Wiles right
0: of course he is <laughs>
1: um yeah so there Susie Wiles has a really interesting role in that investigation which people close to Trump were apparently surprised by Susie Wiles if people uh, forget she is probably going you know she's she's got she's one of the lead uh managers of Trump's press uh prosecution of Trump's uh, election campaign going uh-huh. forward, she's quite competent. She has, she was sort of the inside spy in DeSantis's camp for a little while. So, like, this is maybe finally, if if Susie Wiles has some role in this, then DeSantis might finally come out against um Trump in that way. But she also has long standing ties to Roger Stone. Uh-huh. And she during the um, like, she and her spouse both had key key roles in the russian investigation and so she um she is reportedly the person who was shown a classified map well at bedminster in 2021 mm-hmm. and she has apparently um doj has been asking her a bunch of questions and that's that's you know i i think Trump is now claiming election interference because Susie Wiles might get indicted. Um, And that's interesting because she is quite competent. I mean, his campaign is more competent this year than it was in 2016 and 2020. And so um, who knows, but that's, that's an interesting development.
0: Yeah. So there, there there's so many balls in the air. And one of these days I I'm expecting a lot of them to come crashing down at once. We'll see, or, or maybe they'll just keep, you know, One or two.
1: I mean, they're coming together. It's just really complex. And I think people don't understand I mean, like one of the things Uh, you know, again, last week, people were like, oh, my gosh, all these lawyers are are going to be targeted. I'm like, great. Thank you. Do you know, I wrote months ago about 25 lawyers were involved in this investigation. (laughs) Do you know that I talked about how for every one of those 25 lawyers, it adds months and months and months to the investigation and that this process actually did start in 2021. And so all of the screaming about Merrick Garland's slowness, uh, is, I mean, another thing in that Washington Post story, they're like, oh, nothing happened since a bunch of subpoenas went out uh, to the fake electors last year. I'm like, do you know how long it takes to like so, there were phones involved? Do you know how long it takes to exploit mm-hmm. a phone? It takes normally it has been taking six months to exploit a phone, like meaning you have to crack the password and then go through and get rid of any lawyers communications and then also go through and figure out what is actually um, scoped for the investigation. And. Um, uh you know that like people don't understand that people don't understand that if a crime has been committed using telegram and signal you Uh. have to you have to exploit people's phones and that adds six months to each step of the investigation
0: ah okay so it's to to be continued of course because this is this is our existence these days one final um area <laughs> to deal with. And we are all going to have to deal with it pretty soon. Twitter. Oh my God. It's, it's like the Twitter bird is going the way of the dodo. I think thanks to Elmo. What the hell? I, know. I, I screwed up on
1: this recording is I have to confess that like we had the date for this recording and I right. was like, normally I just like, okay, we communicate, but via Twitter and that's uh, like constant reminders. And, um, and it failed because uh, Elon Musk took those tools away. Yeah, I think Twitter is done and gone this time because I think what's happening is this time people in sufficient masses are going to other outlets. Um, and I think by the time he fixes his current problems, people will have um, made sufficient mass in these other outlets that, you know, it'll it'll be dead.
0: Yeah. So right now you've you've gone to Blue Sky, which is Jack, the the, the originator of Twitter. That's his new thing, right? Which it, now they have a waiting he's list. He's
1: involved, but he's not running it. Okay. And it is it's imperfect. It's still in beta. You still have to get an invite to get on Um It's. Uh, it's like old Twitter sort of and everyone's getting together and you can't like mass import your your contacts. But um, but the conversation is good and people thus far are doing a good job at policing Nazis, which well, that's is good. already a huge improvement over over Twitter. I'm also moving back to Mastodon as yes, much as I can. Me too. Um, because both are going to both are going to be have to be part of the solution going mm-hmm. forward. I mean, Twitter may exist in some rump form after Elon Musk is done with whatever he's done. But I think enough people will have moved to other platforms that we're all just going to have to figure out how to manage three uh,
0: social media browsers rather than one. Right. So I'm still posting on Twitter just because it's there and it's habit. But I'm also trying to get, you know, to do the Mastodon thing. And there's a slight learning curve there. And there is, um, uh, what is it called? It's like Deck or something, which is like the old Tweet Deck. Which helps Mastodeck. Yeah. So that's how I sort of navigate, but I'm still having trouble. Like one person I'm trying to block and I can't figure out how to block her, but it'll come, <laughs> I'm guessing. Um, but you are on Mastodon. You're on Blue Sky. For s- now you're still on Twitter, but we don't know when that's going to die. And it it's looking like soon. Could be tomorrow. Yeah. Could be. Yes. I'm
1: Empty Wheel on Blue Sky, Empty Wheel at at emptywheelsocial.mastodon at mastodon and yes i'm still on twitter but you know it could could be the end of the
0: day by the time that dies i will try to put those um, it, it, the blue sky and the mastodon addresses for you on the blog where i post the show today it'll be at nicole slash 7 5 23 marcy wheeler also always find her at emptywheel.net that's not going anywhere and that's where you should be reading every morning frankly Uh, And I know you already are Um, and supporting with your, um, with your, financial support because like me you don't put your stuff behind a paywall it's there you go on the old model like i do the old public radio model if you listen and you get something good out of it and you enjoy the show and you can afford it please help support what the work we do and and you work that way as well and i truly and appreciate please help that. support nicole's show because it's always a great conversation <laughs> thank you marcy wheeler always uh, for me too all right get back to it we'll talk again soon and keep our fingers crossed that you know nothing horrible happens in the meantime. All right. Take care, Nicole.